Good morning, Northland. Good morning. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Prayer never gets old. Would you mind if I prayed? Amen. Doesn't matter if you mind or not. We're going to pray. So let's pray. God, we are grateful to you for this time and grateful to you for this opportunity. Now, God, we pray that you would be with us in this moment. So appreciate all that we've experienced. So appreciate all that we've heard. Now, Lord God, help us to, to grab hold to what you're calling us to. Open our ears that we might hear you well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. No less, no less than every tribe. No less than every tongue. No less than every nation. America alone won't do. English alone won't do. No less than every tongue until Arabic sings his praises, until Yoruba sings his praises, no less than every nation, until China sings his praises, until Namibia sings his praises, no less than every people group, until the Barana people sing his praises, no less, no less than until the Dutch, until those who speak Spanish, and they do, sing his praises. No less. What we just experienced is a glimpse through that song, is a glimpse of what God has always intended to do. God has always intended to bring every nation to himself. As a matter of fact, if you go all the way back to the book of Genesis, when God is speaking to Abraham, he makes him a promise and says, in your seed, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So what does that mean? That God intends from the beginning, from Genesis, to bless the nations. God never had in mind an exclusive club that he would bless. There has never been in God's mind an only club that only some folks could belong to, that only some nations could belong to. God has always intended that every nation, as a matter of fact, the psalmist encourages us. It says, all nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name. So from Genesis all the way up through the book of Psalms, and guess what, it doesn't stop there either. Jesus says to us, in the Great Commission, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 28, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. From the beginning in Genesis all the way through Jesus' ministry, as he was about to depart, he was about to ascend into heaven, he gives his disciples this commandment. And that's the charge we're left with. And here's the good news. The book of Revelation assures us that it'll happen. Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 through 10. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could count, 
from every nation and all tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb clothed in white robes and palm branches were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. From Genesis to Revelation, God has always intended that no nation would be left out. God intends that no less than every tribe, no less than every tongue, no less than every nation would be included in this great experience of coming to him and knowing him. I'm telling you, it's not merely a task that we've been given, not merely a task to reach our family for the Lord. And by all means, our families need the Lord. It's not just a task to reach our neighborhood or our city for the Lord. And you know as well as I do that our neighborhood and our cities need the Lord. Not just to reach our country. And if you've watched the news like I've watched the news, you know that our country needs the Lord. But our task is bigger than that. No less than every tribe, no less than every tongue, no less than every nation, no less. Amen, amen. Those would be reaching my family, reaching my neighborhood, reaching my community, my nation, reaching the races that are in America, that alone is a daunting task. I mean, it's a glorious vision. It's a beautiful vision. I mean, we saw a glimpse of it. Not this assimilated mass of gray, homogenous things singing, but every group uniquely identifiable. Get that, not assimilation, where we all look the same, but diversity in its full glory, where every tongue, how would we know that every tongue was praising him if we weren't hearing every tongue praising him? If it all sounded like English to us, if it all sounded like English to him, that wouldn't be every tongue. But God is looking that every tongue would praise him in their own language. It's a beautiful vision. But it's a daunting task. I mean, it's huge. It's big task. The truth of the matter is it's such a big task that we're going to have to have the right mindset to accomplish it. What do I mean by that? It's too big of a task for any one group to do. Sometimes we have a special forces mentality when it comes to the kingdom of God advancing. The special forces, you know, like the Navy SEALs, the Green Berets, the Army Rangers, AFSOC, MARSOC. Special forces, these specially trained and equipped people who are able to go and take out Osama bin Laden, who are able to go and rescue hostages from a bad situation. You know, the masses of us, we don't do that. It's the special forces that go. And so when we see something that needs to be done 
sometimes we have in our minds that it's a special force effort. And so we're talking about advancing the kingdom of God, pretty big job. Man, we need some special forces to go do that. And what I want us to understand today is that the job is too big for special forces to accomplish it. And there are special forces, you know, pastors, evangelists, teachers, apostles, missionaries, you know, those folks, special forces. They're there, but if our idea is that those folks are gonna do it and it's gonna get done, then we're mistaken. And so what I wanna to, want to do today is to encourage all of our contributions. I want us to take a mindset that says, all hands on deck. If you've got any ability, if you've got any strength, if you've got a voice, then you can speak, then you can do, then you can contribute. And not only can you contribute, but we need your contribution. And not only do we need your contribution, but we need you to encourage others in their contributions. Because unless we do that, the task that we've been called to do, empowered by the Holy Spirit as co-laborers with Christ, the task we've been given is too big for us to be operating at 20% efficiency. Oh, by the way, I'm the guy who, when I preach, if I say something that you agree with, you say amen. If I say something that hurts, you say ouch. But that's, I forgot to mention, that's me. Hello. <laughs> amen. 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 We need an all hands on deck mentality. We need an all hands on deck mentality. Let's take a look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 14 through 17. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, because I am not an eye, I am not part of the body, it is not for this reason any the less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? All right, so the first thing we need to understand or know in order to really develop this all hands on deck mentality is this. My self-perceived unworthiness does not change God's design or plan for my role or my gifting. Because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body. That notion in your mind does not make you any less a part of the body, is what Paul is saying. Because you think that does not make it true. We have a lot of popular opinion that, you know, what you think and what you believe is what will define what happens. Now, positive thinking is important, don't get me wrong. We need to speak those things that are not as though they were. I, I get it, amen, amen. But your opinion is not ultimately what's important. Amen. Or ouch. Your opinion is ultimately not what's important. 
God's design is what's important. If God has made you a foot and you're a foot, you can't not be part of the body because you wish you were a hand. Well, because I'm not a hand. And the truth of the matter is this attitude of because I'm not a hand, I'm not part of the body, can take us in one of two ways, both negative. One way it takes us is we just decide to sit out. I'm not going to contribute because what I have to bring to the table is not significant, is not important, would not make a difference because I'm not a hand, because I'm not a pastor, because I'm not a worship leader, because I'm not a teacher, because I'm not an evangelist, because I'm not an apostle, because I don't have this gift or the other, I'm not part of the body. You're wrong. Amen. The truth of the matter is, is that when we take that attitude and we say, I'm not that, so I'm just going to sit on the sideline. The truth is, is that we are hindering the progress of us reaching the ultimate vision. That no less than every tribe, no less than every tongue, no less than every nation would come to the place of knowing the Lord and praising Him. We are slowing down the progress when we have that attitude and we sit out. The other thing we can decide to do with that attitude is we don't sit out, but instead of being a foot, we decide to act like a hand. All right, so let's say I was back in the days when we actually had to hunt for food or go to Publix for food. I guess that's why I'll, I'll use Publix for food. I'm hungry, so I want to go to Publix for food. How am I going to get to Publix for food without my feet? If my, if my feet were hands, it'd be awfully hard to go and get to the food. But the hands are so important. Oh, yes, they are. But the feet are too. If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be, Paul says to us? We need all those parts, every part. And so if you try to act like a part you're not. So for example, I can hold a tune halfway in a choir, but I'm not a soloist by any stretch. I use myself as an example so as to not embarrass anyone else. If I decided, you know what? Only the soloists have the significant role, the significant part. I'm gonna be a soloist. We would all be worse off for it. <laughs> We'd all be worse off if I decided I'm gonna be, a, if I can't be anything else, I'm gonna be a soloist. I don't wanna sit out, so I'm gonna force myself. Now, let me just talk about church folks. Now, you know, not, not here at Northland, because, you know, different, but my growing up, church folks. So often we would see people forcing themselves into positions that they weren't called to do and making a big mess and causing all kinds of struggle and strife because they're in a position they weren't called to be in. But they want to be significant, and in order to be significant, I've got to be a hand. How about you just be a foot and do what feet do? How about that? because that part is important. You don't have to try to be someone you're not. And by the way, let me say this. 
Some of you are stuck at, well, I will get involved, I will contribute once I know my spiritual gift. Ouch, somebody. You know, I'd say it, I know you're here. And so, until I know my spiritual gift, I don't really have anything to contribute. That's wrong. Let me just make it real plain for you. Moving chairs and tables is not a spiritual gift, but it is necessary. Amen? If you can do anything, if you can say, good morning, God bless you, you are doing something. If you can smile with the love of the Lord in your heart, you are doing something. That is a contribution. Now, don't everybody just decide, okay, that's all I got to do. The point is, is that what God has called us to is not a program, not an event, not just what happens in these four walls. It's not, it's not what happens here necessarily. Instead, it is an entire people that are committed to living by the power of the Spirit, each one being the family of God, making up the family of God. It takes everybody to be this family. It can't, it's not just two or three of us acting like we're family. It's all of us being a family. So don't get stuck on, I don't know my spiritual gift. Yeah, you need the Lord to reveal that to you, but until he does, guess what? There's plenty of work to be done. And the fact of the matter is, let me just preach it for a second. The fact of the matter is, is that so often we will find our gifting in our working. If you are sitting and waiting for God to drop it in your lap, that might not happen. God can do whatever God wants to do, but that's not been my experience. My experience is someone gets involved and realizes that they're good at something, and someone helps them know, you know, that's really the gift of, that's really a gift of prophecy that you, what you just demonstrated was really a gift of prophecy. Like, really? What you just get, did was a gift of mercy. Did you realize that? No. It's because you were involved, because you were contributing. So don't get stuck at, I don't know my spiritual gift. All right, so next thing. Next thing we need to know comes from verses 21 through 23 of that same chapter. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable. So the second thing we need to know in terms of having an all-hands-on-deck mentality is really something directed toward those who might consider themselves part of the special forces. I'm a Navy SEAL, I'm a Green Beret. I'm a pastor, an evangelist, a teacher. I have a significant role in my mind. The second thing for us to have an all-hands-on-deck mentality is for those folks to know, my dismissive thoughts, words, and attitudes about others does not change God's design or plan for their lives. Ouch, somebody. That, because may, maybe I'm the only one in the room who's ever felt that, who's ever felt like, man, I mean, we can let them participate just so they feel like they're involved, but really what's, what they're doing is not significant. That's what Paul's saying. I don't really have need of you. 
I mean, we've got it covered. I got it covered is usually what we're saying. You know the old, the old saying, if you want something done right, yeah, that attitude, yeah, that one. That attitude is rooted in this same notion that if it's going to be done right, I got to do it. But you don't understand, man, like, if, if I let other people do it, it won't be done right. No, it won't be done the way you want it done, which is not the definition of right. Ouch, man. It's like, Pastor Reggie, you are usually so much more fun. <laughs> actually, I'm not, actually. <laughs> so that kind of mindset, the problem with that mindset is that I have blind spots. I have things I don't see, things I don't understand, things I don't know. It took me a while to, to, to realize this, but one of the things that's helped me, honestly, is being here with you all as often as I've been here, um, is seeing how all the different gifts and personalities and roles come together to form something amazing. It's one thing to have a, a tight sermon, a nice, organized sermon to perfection. Got it. Awesome. Perfect. Yeah, not a word was out of place. But every now and then, and in our, our house of light, our church, after I preach, sit down and we talk. I mean, literally, it used to be I would preach, I would sit down, and then we'd all talk about what I preached. Right then. You would not believe, you might believe, the number of times that people made comments, and I would literally say out loud, man, I wish I'd have said that. I mean, in my mind, when the sermon was, when I had written it, and it was organized, and I stood to preach it, it was right. It was, it was what it was supposed to be. But it wasn't until we all contributed that we really got what God was trying to say. Our reflection time bailed me out more times than I can remember. Like, man, I'd completely messed that up. Thank you for saying it correctly. I mean, I said what I intended to say, but now that I hear how people are receiving it, man, did I miss the boat. I had a blind spot. And we don't understand when, when it's, you know, if I want it done right, do it myself. Right in your eyes is not right for everybody. And I'm not talking about relativism. I'm saying you only have your perspective and you could be wrong. Amen. <laughs> Here's the other problem with, with the, this, this mindset, is that God's intention is that the special forces, pastors, evangelists, teachers, would actually be doing some specific work. What is that work? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 12. And he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ. So these apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers have a job. And now just keep the scripture up there for a second. Their job, now clearly a pastor's job is a pastor. A prophet's job is to prophet, prophetically speak. An evangelist's job is to evangelize. Like, clearly that's their job. But why did God give these gifts to the church? For the equipping of the saints. 
the special forces. God gave them as a gift to the church. Why? So that everybody could contribute. Not so that they could go and do every important thing and let the other folks stay back equipping them with funds. But instead, that the special forces would equip everybody for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. That's what those special forces is for. Pastors need the pastor and equip the saints. Evangelists need to evangelize and equip the saints. All the evangelism cannot be done by the evangelists because there are only so many of them. They're not on your job. They're not in your house. They're not in your neighborhood. Guess what? You are the evangelist for that neighborhood. You are the evangelist for that job. You are the evangelist in your house. The purpose of the special forces is to equip all of us for the work of service. One last thing on that, that passage, the First uh, Corinthians chapter 12 passage. So we can go back, yeah, perfect. Go ahead next to verse 23. All right. So, and those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And in verse 22 it says, they are in fact indispensable. Let me just say a quick thing, and I'm going to move on, is that the parts of the body that we sometimes completely ignore are sometimes the most critical. For example, NFL football players. I am a huge NFL fan. You could tell by the colors I'm wearing today, perhaps, who I'm a fan of. Not the gray suit, the black and gold tie. I'm just saying. And not the New Orleans Saints, different gold. Okay, wasting time. All right, so <laughs> I'm a huge NFL fan. These men are built like trucks. I mean, even the, the wide receivers, which used to be small guys, are built, these physiques are amazing, so strong, can bench press more than I can imagine, can run faster, and, and all these things. And their muscles are absolutely just to perfection, toned to perfection. The worst injury that can happen on a football field, the worst injury in terms of a player's ability to play, is a blown ACL. What's an ACL? It's the anterior cruciate ligament. What's that? It's a ligament in your knee. A ligament that none of us probably ever paid attention to were it not for sports. Were it not for professional athletics, most of us would never know what an ACL is. But if a player tears their ACL, this small part that's insignificant, they are done for a year. They will be done the rest of that season for sure and maybe part of the next season. Someone can break their arm and be back in two weeks. They can tear a bicep and be back in four weeks. They can break their leg and be back in four or six weeks. They tear their ACL, something we never thought about, and they're done for the year. The parts we don't think about are often most critical to our performance. All right, so let's move on quickly. Need to 
Hurry along, hurry along. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 gives us a, the third and last thing. The, the first thing we need to understand about this all hands on deck mentality is that my self-perceived unworthiness does not change God's design or plan for my role. The second thing we need to know is that my dismissive thoughts and words and attitudes about me do not change God's design or plan for my role. The third thing comes from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, which says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We are his workmanship. Now, just leave that up for a second. We are his, as God's, workmanship. God has made us. God has formed us. And we've been created in Christ. So when God rescued us from death and rescued us from darkness and caused us to stand in new life, we were created in Christ Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for that. And God did that, created us in Christ Jesus for good works. God created me in Christ Jesus. He rescued me from death so I could do good works. The key thing for us to get is what comes next, which God prepared beforehand. What am I saying? I'm saying for us to have an all-hands-on-deck mentality, we need some encouragement. And let me give you the encouragement. The encouragement is God has set you up to be successful. <laughs> God has set you up to be successful. What do I mean? Before he rescued you from death, before he rescued you from darkness, before he did that, he created works for you to do. And then he rescued you. So guess what? If he created the works to do before he rescued you, when he rescued you, he gave you everything you need to do it. <laughs> oh, somebody didn't get it. Somebody didn't get it. See, because sometimes in our lives we're wondering, God, will I ever be able to accomplish what you told me to do? Will I ever get it done? What I want to say to you is, regardless of what it looks like, you keep walking with him. You keep serving him. Although it seems insignificant, you are accomplishing exactly what God told you to do. And every now and then we need that encouragement. Every now and then we need that encouragement that what I'm doing matters. Let me say to you, if you are serving the Lord, it matters. If you are serving someone a cold cup of water in the name of Jesus, it matters. If you're getting a hot meal for someone, it matters. Let me tell you real quick, one of the most important ways that people get one to the Lord today, people who are unsaved, who don't know Jesus, who are not believers, the most effective way for them to become believers is not by them coming and listening to me or Pastor Joel preach. The most effective way it happens is when you invite them for dinner to your house. Hospitality is the number one gift when it comes to winning others to Christ, particularly today in our society that is so closed off, that is so cold, that is not interested in spending time with anyone outside of their immediate family. When that's the way our society is, it's not surprising that hospitality would be the most effective way to win others to the Lord. So if all you can do is cook a meal, what I'm saying to you is that that might be the most significant ACL in the kingdom. That thing we never think about, 
The thing we do every day, eat dinner. Invite someone to eat dinner with you. Not for the purpose of doing anything other than being their friend. Like, how about that? That would be significant. That would make a world of difference. No less than every tribe, every tongue, every nation. And it's a daunting task. And the truth of the matter is, it'll be no less than every pastor, every missionary, every teacher, every singer. And not just every teacher, every singer, every carpenter, every cook, every bus driver, every nurse, every accountant, every writer, every babysitter and nanny, every electrician, every farmer, every banker, every admin assistant, every landscaper, every engineer, every doctor, every lawyer, until all of us together take our giftings, take our abilities, and apply them to the kingdom of God. Will the job get done? And then it will get done. Amen? Amen. God has given us such a big task. But what's going to happen? We just got to get on board so it can happen in, under our watch. Wouldn't that be awesome if under our watch, all the nations, all the tongues came to give God the glory under our watch? Amen. Let me pray with us real quick. Father, I thank you. I thank you for today because you have given us an opportunity to start again You've given us a chance to reevaluate the way that we think about ourselves and not just how we think about ourselves, but how we think about others and the importance of encouraging each other to contribute. Thank you, Lord God, that you have set us up to be successful. Thank you, Lord God, that we can do this by your strength, empowered by your spirit as co-laborers with Christ. In Jesus' name, amen.